Welcome guys to another episode of the All Ears podcast with myself, Luke Barnett. The whole idea of this podcast is for me to learn more about life and to learn more about, you know, the real world, I like to call it, because I was locked away uh, in the fighting realms for many, many years. And when I started coming out and doing business and having to deal with lots of different types of people, I thought I knew a lot about it. And then the more I start to learn, the less I feel that I know. So I thought if I started a podcast, I could educate myself. And along with that, I could educate you guys. So hopefully lots of different individuals that can have different points of view and we can all learn together. Today we have a very interesting guy who has a very interesting uh, point of view. I like to always start off with a question and my question for you Sean is what's more challenging? Managing multiple millions of dollars or managing multiple girlfriends? Well first of all you need to differentiate between a girlfriend and a wife because most people think they have a wife or a piece of paper makes the girl they are with or the woman they are with a wife but if she doesn't do what you want her to do and if she doesn't let you do what you want to do then you don't have a wife and you don't even have a girlfriend you have a master and that's what I currently see in society where men in fact are oppressed by women and everything is in the feminine frame and men behave within that feminine frame which you can very clearly see on social media, where women get all of the attention and men get no attention at all, unless they are very accomplished and unless they have achieved great success in their lives. To come back to the original question, I have two wives, two beautiful, happy wives. There's nothing there where I oppress them in any way or where something... It's, it's also not... Um, it's not backed by religion. So I'm not a Muslim. There's no re religious backing which I have to make the whole case uh, to each of them, to each of them, right? So I have two wives and not wives on paper because I think marriage, well, that's a whole different rabbit, whole different rabbit hole to go down to. But I think marriage as we know it is not the right way to, to start a relationship, to start a long-term commitment to a person, I think the, the whole setup of having a contract and be contractually bound is wrong. And I define the two girls I'm with as wives because their love for me extends beyond the love they have for themselves. So they want me to be happy more than they want to be happy themselves. So they transcend being selfish and egotistical. And because they want me to be happy and because I am happy through them, of course I'm happy on my own, right? But they, um, they exaggerate my happiness. And because they have a purpose of making me happy and I make them happy in return, it's a really beautiful thing. So, so you define a wife, say again the phrase how you define a wife? A wife is a woman who loves you more than she loves herself. Okay, so that, for you, that, that, that could, you consider you have two wives because you have two women that love you more than they love themselves. Yeah. No contractual, nothing in front of religion, nothing in government, just that, that uh, situation. Yeah, and see, in religion, in many of the different religious books, it says man has to love God and the wives have to love the man. So it's not like the man has to have the same type of love for those women. Of course, I would die for them. I would protect them with my life. That's, that, there's no question about it. My, my, my whole purpose as a man is to protect and to provide for them. But it's very rare that a woman actually feels 
love which goes beyond their self for the person they are with. And of course, that, that's not uh, the fault of the women. It's the fault of men not being aware of the duty they have towards women and then in return not receiving the authority of those women to really take care of them properly. And why do you think most men don't understand that duty? Well, we are so far from what's natural that it's not, it's not even up to the understanding of men because even if they would understand it right now, everything is in the frame of women. Because women... It's not, just, it's not something which is actually gendered. So men and women as a whole, they like to take the path of least resistance. Which also means the second a girl feels jealous about whatever you're doing, she likes that to be resolved with a short-term solution right away. That means she prefers to go the path of least resistance, even if that means long-term and she doesn't know this, but that's what's subconsciously happening. If she gets you to not do something because she doesn't want you to do it, that means your respect, uh, the respect which she has for you, is going to decline. And it's not just one instance which ruins the relationship or which ruins how she views you. It's, all, it's, it's uh, death by a thousand cuts. So there's that one thing which you don't which you're not allowed to do, then the other thing, then she didn't like that. And then step by step, you walk into a frame. And it's really, really difficult to get out of that when the relationship has already started off on the wrong foot. It's, it's almost, it's bold. I know from my own experience, because I've been in a relationship for 10 years, and I've been in the wrong kind of relationship for 10 years, probably in the same relationship most of you guys are, where I was in the frame of my girlfriend. And I call her her girlfriend because that's the type of relationship which we had. But now I can call her my wife because now through a lot of work and you also have to think about what does it mean if a man is capable to make two wives happy. For those individually to want me to be happy that much that they are fine with only having a share of me and not having full ownership of me. And it's also important that the whole dynamic is understood by, by all parties where None of those wives own me in any regard. I regard them as mine, not from an obsessive uh, perspective or from uh, the perspective of ownership. Or I don't want this to be misconstrued in any way. But they are mine because I have to protect them. And I can only protect them if I have some, some form of authority over what they do. If they do whatever they want to do, then how can I protect them, right? If I say I have a bad feeling about this or that, then... They have to be able to be submissive and to be understanding. But then what would you say that you, obviously you need to protect them, but what do you need to protect them from? There's, the influence of the world today is overpoweringly negative. There's very little in this world which just by you living in the current state of society, where you're getting exposed either directly or indirectly with valuable information and with positive information. So you have to pretty much shield them from everything that's going on around them because all the influences which they receive from society right now is mostly negative. You watch the news, it's negative. You watch anything on social media, it's not something which is going to make you a better person. Everything is usually something which makes you more narcissistic or more egocentric or more self-centered, especially 
those are two really good-looking women. So it's not like uh, these are the women no one wants. It's actually the, the, the women at the top of the hierarchy. They're absolutely amazingly beautiful and super feminine. And they get a lot of attention by men. So, of course, I, I don't doubt their loyalty at all because I, there, there's obviously different ways in which you can test someone's loyalty. And I, I broke up with both of them separately um, times before. And I can come back to this later because it's a very important capability which you need to have as a man. You will always have to be able to walk away and to be completely fine and content on your own. You don't need to, you can't be in a position where you derive your happiness from being in the presence of women. That you need to contend with yourself. You need to love God and whatever God is to you. I, I'm, to be honest, I haven't made up my mind about religion, so that's a, that's a different topic. But whatever that means to you, you have to be content with who you are and where your life is going. And it can't be contingent of the presence of the women you're with. Because uh, you said protecting the women, a lot of people will think of that as a physical act. But you're talking more than protecting their, them socially, emotionally, and, mm. and protecting their heart and everything yeah, else from society. It's spiritual protection most of the time. And it comes down to... So let me, let me um, circle a little bit back. The underlying issue which you have right now in society, why men are in the frame of women, is because women at some point have demanded of men to become softer, more understanding, more romantic, and so on, right? And the problem with that is that the actual purpose a man has is to be the rock the emotional waves of the woman can crash into. Now, how is that rock going to work out if he's getting soft, if the rock is going to turn into a tampon? doesn't work at all, right? Because now the, the man is just going to... And, and you can actually see this in society. Look around you, look at the friends you have, look at the people you meet in your daily lives. They actually look soft. It's not just something which is some esoteric bullshit, which is um, something which is, not, which is not real. Men, in fact, are getting softer with their behaviors, with their attitudes, with being more emotional, which also means they have less control over themselves, they are less disciplined and so on, and they are getting softer physically speaking too. And th th that's pretty much the underlying problem which we have. And those men can't protect those women from anything, and those women, either they consciously or subconsci subconsciously know that, and that's the reason why they want to be independent, why they want to be strong, why they want to have a job and a career and provide to the, for the household, because they know intrinsically that the man is not capable to do it. And that's what has been, I don't want to say there's a secret agenda or anything like that, I think it's just something which, because people tend to, to go the path of least resistance, eventually everything becomes crooked, and now we're here, and I'm not here to complain about the current state of society in any way, because the reality of that is, if you do it like, like uh, Luke, and you study successful people, and you're curious about what's going on in the world, and you only surround yourself with those people who have something in your life, or who have something in their lives which you want, then eventually you will get the same thing. And that's pretty much what I did and how I became successful is because I studied successful people. That's all I did. I, I dropped out of university and I dedicated my life to studying successful people. And I understood there's universal laws of success. And success is not defined by money. Success is defined with being capable to lead a good relationship, to lead a business, to lead your life as an independent and autonomous human being. And what, why do you think most men are incapable 
at the moment, like you said, uh, you're not moaning about the state of society, but most men are incapable of being autonomous and leading and, and having the confidence to step away from the crowd. Why do you think they struggle with that so much? So it's extremely difficult to go against what society wants and against what you have been taught in the education system. I was, so to, to make a big step back and to, to maybe for you guys, because what I'm telling you is so out of the ordinary, something which you probably can't relate to at all. So my biggest problem right now is my two wives arguing who can have children first. And if you hear that problem for the first time, and I've been in the same situation because my mentor, uh, who I luckily met in my life, has a similar relationship dynamic. And the first time I heard him talk, my brain was just exploding because I couldn't make any sense of anything which he was saying. It was so out of the, the anything I ever heard in my life. And I think the, this type of relationship is that the main thing where everyone agrees in society, this is not possible, and they even agree that's something that's bad. And I can go, we can go through the whole argument why it's actually something that's in the best interest of the women and of the men and for society as a whole. Uh, I've been through this argument many, many times exactly with those women because you have to face all those objections and things only work out only if you're an extremely good communicator, if you can make the case objectively and rationally without getting emotional yourself. And then you have to be able to process the, the, the emotions of those women in the right way and allow them for them to, to let everything out and to facilitate their emotions and then to allow them to make the right decisions for themselves, right? Because not all women are going to be accept, accepting uh, of such a relationship dynamic. So you can't force someone to do something which you don't want to do. You want something which truly makes them more happy and it can only make them more happy if they completely understand the entire argument. And that's why I can make the argument so well. And it's, of course, it's easier to convince men <laughs> of having multiple wives, right? But I can also convince women, and I don't win the argument because I'm such a good, um, uh, because I, I fight until the, the bitter end. I win the argument because what I'm saying is right. Because what I say is actually better for the wives, for the family unit as a whole, for the children, for, soci for society, and for the man. And if it's better for the man, in turn, he has more value to offer to his women, to the people around him. He's going to be a more capable leader. And I think the, the, pinnacle, the pinnacle of leadership is if, if you're truly capable in all areas of your, of your life to act with utmost integrity. And to act with utmost integrity means you always say what's on your mind. You always speak the truth right away. You don't wait for the right moment. You don't wait for, for, um, for any contingencies to be in place first. You don't need a backup. You don't need a safety net. You want to live in the most truthful reality. If it's not a truthful, truthful reality, it's not reality, right? So you always want to say the truth, always right away. And whatever happens, happens, right? It's, it's the thing which, which reflects the life which is actually for you. If you're living a lie, if you're, if you're, if you're bending, and I've, I, I, I can talk about this with some degree of um, with, uh, credibility because I've, I have been through this. Right? I, haven't born, I've, I haven't been born like this. That's what I wanted to come to. Um, I, I come from a single mother household, so I know exactly what it takes for a woman to raise a child by her own, and I know what damage a man can cause to the family unit 
if the relationship those two pick for themselves doesn't work out. And it doesn't work out because it's not the right type of relationship. At least you might argue in a different society, maybe monogamy might be the choice of a relationship, which is the, the most fulfilling for the majority of, the, of those people in the society. The problem which we have right now is that we have a divorce rate of over 50%. Then on top of that, we have the people who stay together although they don't want to be together and they just stay together because the divorce is going to cause too much hassle or because uh, the pressure of society, because of the children. So most of the people we all know, they are not even happy in the relationships they have. And they try to make up some other reasons why it doesn't work out, but the underlying reason is that the logistics which they have set up for the relationship just don't make any sense at all. And to give you an interesting example, if you go back a couple hundred years, kings and queens never had the same bedroom. They always had separate bedrooms. The fact that you guys are sleeping in the same bed as your girlfriend or as your wife comes down to what society has made normal. And it was normal amongst poor people. That's where the whole thing comes from because you save one room in your, in your house or in your apartment, right? It's just something which is more economic. But it's not, some not something which is really beneficial to the relationship. And I know there's, there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to disagree on this, but I can always make the argument in all, those, in all of those instances very logically where in this case, for example, if you just spend time together, if you're in the presence of the other person without actually doing something, so you both lay in bed, maybe you're both on your phone, she's reading, you're doing something else, then you go to sleep and maybe initially you cuddle or whatever, but then you sleep on your own, right? She sleeps there, you sleep there. Then you wake up, maybe do some other stuff in your bed and then you get up and the more time you spend together, where you're not actively paying attention to the other person. And when I say pay attention, I mean, give her 100% of your focus. You're not on your phone, you're not thinking about other stuff. You give her 100% of your focus. If the time is prolonged, where you don't do that, eventually the attraction between those two people is gonna dissipate. Okay, so let's, let's, uh, it's a lot of information. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> and let's take it back a little bit, because I, I picked up on a few things in my own mind. Yeah. Because um, you mentioned kings and queens, you mentioned the poor. Most people would associate having multiple women to being financially successful. Like the, the, when you think, oh, he has, you think about, you know, NBA players or rock stars or whatever you want to call it. Again, the, the common people thinking mm. about it. So you said and you stated that the reason that you are, can facilitate multiple women is because of your emotional state and your communication it had nothing to do with finance. So you, you, you. Oh, well, just because I didn't talk about finance doesn't mean it has nothing to do with but it. But you believe that it's possible to have multiple relationships at the same time without having the finance, or you need the finance as well? Because I know a lot of wealthy men mm. that can't even handle having one girlfriend, let alone mm. having two, because they're so focused on themselves and focused on business and focused on making money, they don't give the 100% attention, mm. they don't give the love, they don't give the affection that's needed to sustain one relationship. So what do you think the, you know, the most important part of that is? So I definitely do not propose this type of a relationship to most men. The reality is that, like you said, very few men, even if they are financially successful, very few men are actually capable to lead one successful relationship. And I thought a, I thought a long time about whether or not I'm actually going to speak about this topic in my, my private life at all, publicly, because I have shareholders in my company. I manage the capital of over 1,000 people. And it's quite a controversial stance, right? 
but I thought, what actually makes a good leader? It is communication, communication skills. It means that you are capable to not act emotional, to always make the rational decision. It means you uphold your integrity in all cases. Doesn't mean you uphold your integrity here and there, only in business, only there, and then you go, you go back home and you lie to your wife or you lie to your girlfriend or you, you trick any people in your life. It means you uphold your integrity always. And to me, this is important because I never want to be in a position where I compromise my integrity. And unfortunately, I have been there, which I, I, the rest of my life was sorted. I was successful in all regards, but still I was in a relationship dynamic where I couldn't be entirely truthful about what I wanted, what I thought, and um, yeah, everything that was currently going on in my, my thought process about who I want to be with. And this, it bothered me so much that I really had to go into myself, why does it bother me so much? Why am I pushed to make a certain decision between her and her, and, and, and why is this, why am I the one who's getting pushed into a corner who has to compromise his integrity and who has to compromise his values to end up making one decision and then letting the other person down. And I think this was a very deciding event in my life where I either had, to, I either had the opportunity to, to say, okay, I, I really don't want this. Actually, I just want to be with you. I, I could have just pivoted, right? Because initially I had a, after I, finally realized what was going wrong in my 10-year relationship, I broke up and then I had more or less one year where I had my, it's almost, it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but it's like finding myself, at least from the, from the emotional perspective of uh, what types of a relationship I actually wanted or what I wanted from my partner in my life. And it was a very defining event because it, it finally allowed me to be completely truthful to myself and to say, okay, I would rather be alone than compromise for someone else. And it doesn't mean compromise for another woman or for, for anything else. It's just a, a, a general statement. I will not compromise in my life. And the reason why I talk about it publicly now is because there's almost no one out there who truly can say that in all regards in his life, he never ever compromises. Even if you look at some of the Fortune 500 CEOs, you know for sure in their private lives, they will not be 100% honest. And times and times again, you see the headlines, someone had an affair, someone did this and that, and there's, there's always some garbage coming out, coming out um, something where they haven't been genuine, which leads to the question, if they're not being genuine in that regard, what else do they lie about? So I thought about this a long, long time, and I struggled with this greatly because it's, of course, a huge emotional hit which you take if you lose a 10-year relationship, right? But I, I just, I wasn't happy and I couldn't pinpoint what exactly, what exa what exactly um, caused this unhappiness, right? It took me a long, long time because it's so, society doesn't even present you that this might be one of those instances why you're not happy, right? Because they tell you, well, you're actually doing exactly what you're supposed to do as a man. You're committed to one woman and you're being loyal and so on. And I think if most men are being genuine about themselves, and I, I can speak to my shareholders, I can speak to my investors, I can speak to the, the people I work with to raise money. If you're truly honest to yourselves, the relationship which you have right now is not 100% 100, 100 the relationship which you really want. 
And if your wife would tell you, you know what, I love you so much, whatever makes you happy, I will support. I want you to be free. I want you, you to be the best man you can be. You would live a different life. You, the reason why you're living the life you're currently living is because you, you are afraid of the repercussions. You're afraid of what, what other people might think. You're, you're afraid of the, the frame you're currently in. And you're afraid to truly, genuinely be honest to you. And I want to make this... I don't want to, to make this like a big public thing because to me it's not that big of a deal, but I know for other people it is. And I want to lead as an example where I can say... I don't care what society thinks, I don't care about what anyone else thinks, because those people, they trusted me and they gave me a lot of money because they trusted my integrity. And now if I can make a public stance and if I can say, okay, you know what, I never compromise ever, doesn't matter what it is, I, never, I don't compromise on my diet, I don't compromise on my work routine, I don't compromise on anything I do in my life ever, in my private life, neither. I, I do exactly what I think is the right way to go ahead with things, I do exactly what's true to myself. And now to come back to the point of um, having the resources, right? Mm -hmm. the, the big problem here is that you don't need any qualifications to have children, which means we live in a society which is monogamous. So one man, one woman, right? That's how all the resources in society are being split up. It's one and one. The problem is the guy at the very bottom of the food chain, who has to take care of one wife and maybe one child, he has not even a fraction of the resources the guys at the top have, right? So the whole concept already doesn't make any sense because by enforcing monogamy, you also force good women to settle for some guy with either no resources or with no qualifications to be able to be a husband, to protect her, to provide for her, to, to be a good father. So all the alcoholics, the drug addicts, the people who are completely broke, the gambling addicts, they all get a wife because that's how society has set up everything, right? So how can you say that's the right thing where you have, you have 100 women and you have 100 men and you know for sure at least 20, 30% of those men are bad. They are not capable to lead a good relationship. They won't treat the women the right way. And then you still say, well, you 100 women are out of luck. 30 of you are going to have to settle for the shit men. How does that make even any sense? And then you have 10% of the men at the very top who have all the resources in the world. They could be the best fathers for those children you could ever imagine. And then you tell them, well, you're also only allowed one wife. And even though you could provide for four different wives, you could raise 10 strong children, you could be an ex exceptional role model for all of them, you, you could have the, the most beautiful and flourishing family unit, we can only give you one. <laughs> so what's the... <laughs> In your example as well, you have 100 men, 100 women. You're saying that 100, the 100 women are angels and they're pure, but, but, but we'll ignore that for the moment. Well, but so, well if you don't mind if I, no, 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 if no. I latch on to that. It's not the women who make the men. Mm -hmm. It's men who create the frame for all of society. Because if it comes down to survival, men are the ones who need to protect and to provide. So we created this artificial dynamic where it's equal and now of course then women go off and, and do what they want to do because they're independent but and coming back to what I said earlier people always take the path of least resistance so if a girl can go on OnlyFans and make two million dollars 
and maybe ruin her entire future, but can have short-term profit and be independent, she's going to go ahead and do that. And you can't, you can't even fault her for that because there's so much demand created by men and she's getting empowered by other women and by men to go ahead and do that. Well, it's not her fault. It's just the, the, the wrong incentives in society. So, of course, those 100 women are not going to be angels, but just generally speaking, if, if you have a, a woman who's not a good woman, it's probably because she has either she hasn't been raised by a good man or she has not been with a good man. If, if, uh, if, you, if, you have a, if you have an extremely influential and strong father figure, it's really unlikely that your daughter, which you're having, is just going to go bonkers and going to be a terrible person, right? Mm -hmm. And the same with if, if, you're, if you meet a really, really um, strong man, you're not going to be a degenerate wife. So you're, I mean, I have a very similar point of view, but you feel like all of the issues in relationships or in society in general are the fault of man. So what is a society? A society is made up of different families. The different families consist of man and woman. And then they have children, then those new children have find their wives and their husbands, and then they make up the society, right? So essentially, society is just different combination of families. And why do families turn weak, or why do families turn degenerate, or why do we have so many families where there's um, mental issues and uh, mental diseases and so on? How, ca how could you ever say it's the fault of women? They, they don't, women by nature are not dominant. They are low in testosterone, they're high in estrogen. So there could be nothing on this world which could be more different than men and women. And I think we all can agree, and I know there's some people who don't agree on this topic, but men are stronger than women in many different senses. It doesn't mean that w women are less valuable, it doesn't mean that women are not capable in other areas of life. It just means, generally speaking, men at least are physically stronger. And when it comes down to the very basic nature of men and women, then the physically stronger person wins. Which also means if you are sitting on the, at the table with someone across you who is physically more capable than you, you're going to behave in a different way than if you're sitting across someone who is physically inferior to you or who you maybe feel is inferior to you um, in that way. So if men impose such a strength on society, then it's also their responsibility to say, okay, this is our fault. And I, I yeah, I have to say 100% it's the, the fault of men. And men are also the only ones who can actually reverse all of the damage which they did. The problem here is that we are so far down the path of destruction to really go back, it's going to take drastic measures and I'm not a conspiracy theorist in any way, and I, I, I frankly don't care about most of the things which are going on. I think things are just going to play out the way they have to play out, and you have to be smart about where you're situated and where you are raising your family, and then we will see. I don't think there's a, I don't think the conversation about solving the problems in society is going to lead to anything. I think it's just important for men to have increased awareness about why things are the way they are and what you can do, what you at home can do to improve your life, to say, okay, 
I see what's happening. I want to live a different, different life. I want to live a better life. I'm going to take appropriate action. I'm going to grow as a man. And I'm going to acknowledge my responsibility. I'm going to... Because all of that, we can't just sit here and complain and say, oh, and or feel self-pity and say, oh, it's our fault. What can we do? And so on. You have to take action. And maybe to finally answer the question <laughs> about <laughs> uh, the, the financial resources which you might need to have. That's the very first thing you have to get right. Before you even consider going into any serious relationship, you need to get your life sorted. It's really, really difficult to be a good partner if you have no resources. And the beautiful thing about society is that you only acquire resources if you have become valuable to society. And throughout the process of becoming valuable to society, you become a better man as a result. So the reward is not just the money, the reward is you becoming a more capable more competent person, and that more competent person can then finally be a good partner. Ten years ago, five years ago, I was not a good partner to my girlfriend. So I also have to take the fault on myself that the relationship initially didn't work out at all because I was just being a, a weak man. I was exactly like you guys, or like most of you guys. I was sitting at home, watching video games, was bad in school, always <laughs> went to school late, skipped school, and so on. I, I couldn't make any sense of anything I ever learned. And... It took me a long, long time to finally become successful, but it only happened after I realized that the path that's being laid out in front of me by society doesn't make any sense at all, because you learn from people who have no qualifications to teach you anything. You look at their lives, and their lives are terrible, and those are the guys sitting in front of you and teaching you, and then all the options which are presented by society is just a nine-to-five job where essentially you're working to make someone else rich. And there's no overarching positive mission which you have in your life. You just attach on to someone else's mission. And you're never truly independent. Uh, and that goes back to the argument about independent women. They're still going to be dependent on a boss or some other man or some other person or entity who's in charge of what they do, when they do it, how they do it, and so on. So the whole concept of independence, it's really on the man to provide all the resources to the family so that the woman is freed of all the, 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 the things which she currently has to take care of, where she can really truly be free and careless. And I think if everyone, if all women are truly honest to themselves, what you really want is to be carefree and happy. You don't really want to have a career and, and be like a, a cutthroat businesswoman. That's, it's not, it's, it sounds, maybe it sounds enticing initially, but then if you go through it in reality, it's really a hard road to go. And if you look at the, the statistics of female entrepreneurs, for example, usually their businesses, they stay qu quite small because those women who start their own businesses, they do it out of passion. They want to do something which they enjoy and good on them and that's something which they should be doing. They should not be under pressure to create financial wealth or anything like that because all of this pressure is just going to make you more masculine. And being masculine, God Almighty, that's the role of the man. <laughs> no matter what they tell you uh, in, in mass media and everywhere else, that's the role of the man. You don't want to have a, a masculine wife and you don't want to put your wife in a position where she has to be more masculine because you have become too feminine. And you think, so I see that a lot now in, in men as well. You said they become more feminine because society is telling them to become more feminine and the women have to become more masculine to make up for the balance, right, mm -hmm. in, in the relationship. But if you're an average guy listening to you, like you said, talking about all these things, it might sound a bit overwhelming or a little bit crazy, but what are the initial, like for you, how did you come to this realization? You said five years ago you weren't a good 
partner what happened five years ago for you to re make, make the realization that life should be this way? So first of all, you are not an average man. That's the most important thing to realize. You are not average. The reason why you think you are average is because no one has come to you and truly incentivized and motivated you to make more of yourself. The reason why I think is you are average is because everyone around you is average and they want to see you as average as well. Because if you are special, if you do something special, all of those guys will feel bad. And that's called the grab effect. And the grab effect is something, it's a psychological term. If you have a bucket full of grabs, you will never see any grab get out of the bucket. Because the second one of the grabs makes it to the edge of the bucket, the other grabs are going to hold on to it and pull it back, back down into the bucket. So the whole incentive which we have from the education system, from society, is for you to be average. But the reality is you are actually a special person. And you can do what I did. And you can do even more than what I did so far. That it's, it's not a matter of who I am or what I learned or any uh, special holy moments which I had in my life. It's, I was so depressed that I was borderline suicidal and just didn't understand what the hell happened? And of course, you, you, you know, now in hindsight, you could look at the statistics of children raised in single mother households. The suicide rate is a lot higher. It's, it's almost normal for them to be bad in school. It's much more likely for them to end up in prison. It's much more likely for them to be illiterate. It's much more likely for them to abuse drugs and so on and so on. So the, the list is endless. So we know families without a father are the worst possible conditions a child could come out of, right? And to be honest, I, I thought about this a lot. I thought if everything in my life went wrong, I, I was bullied in school, I was bad in school, like there's nothing good. <laughs> Looking back, there's really not, no, no really uh, positive or beautiful memories which I have of, of my upbringing, uh, except a few, um, uh, because I still had a loving mother. She, she, but a woman on her own can't give the, ch the children the masculine leadership which they need. And which it's not it's not her fault at all. It's just the way things have played out. And so there's also no. It's not like I, I'm pointing at single mother households and saying they are doing a terrible job. They're doing the best job they can do, right? Because they're on their their own. And so for me, the the most defining or the defining moment was that I was um, pushed into this corner where there was no way out, and I had so much pressure on myself, especially emotional pressure, financial pressure pressure by society to, to get a job and do this and do that. And diamonds are made under pressure. So I had the option of breaking or I had the option of becoming stronger through all the hardship. And that's what's going to make the difference between the average show and between someone who becomes exceptional, where if you don't break, if you do not give up, then you are on the path of becoming exceptional. It's, it's really, it sounds stupid to say, and I said this to my mother, I think when I was um, 18 years old or so, I told her, you only lose if you give up. And of course, you know, normal people, especially out of a poor socioeconomic economic environment, they will tell you, oh, well, that's not true because this and that, and what about this, and you have responsibilities, you need to get a job, and so on. But it didn't make any sense to me because I thought, well, but if I don't give up, then I always will proceed, and I will always make progress, and eventually I'm going to succeed, right? I just can't give up. If you in your fighting career, I'm, I'm sure you had a hundred opportunities to give up and say, "Okay, I'm done. I, I can't keep going anymore." But it's just about being. It's about 
almost being ignorant, delusional, and having so much self-confidence that you say, I will make this work. I don't care what the hell happens. I will make it work anyways. Yeah, and I think uh, I 100% agree with that on the fact for my fighting career. I still believe that anyone, any man on the planet, I mean, there's a certain age limit now because if it's, not, it's an athletic pursuit, but any young man on the planet can get to the UFC and can fight in the UFC or become a professional boxer. Or the, It's not a talent thing. It's a not giving up thing because I was the least talented, <laughs> least, you know, if you spoke to kids that I went to school with when I was 13, they would never say that I would fight in the mm. UFC. Um, but I showed up to every single session three, four times a day, never gave up, just for years and years and years and years. And those little stack, 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 you could become better. And I'm taking that mentality into the financial world and into the business world and, and into podcasting or into anything because I think YouTube's a great example. I think most people, they don't get past their like ninth video or mm, something mm, like that mm. because they give up. But the people that just carried on making content, if you look at them, Mr. Beast and these like yeah, um, yeah. huge guys, there's nothing special about them. The, the reason that they just, they just did it and never gave up on, on mm. that thing, which in itself is special. So the, the, you say like, uh, you just need to not care what people think. You just need to, you know, keep going. You need to not give up. You need to have the resilience to do this. You said to your parents when you were 18, you know, uh, I'm just not going to give up. But what, what, what makes you move away from the herd in that way? This is what I'm trying, this is what I'm, I'm trying to find yeah. out personally is talking to the people that are the black sheep or are different or have gone on their own path or have the self-analysis or the ability to look at the room and be like well i don't want to be like these guys because all of these guys are doing the same thing and they're all losers i want to be like these guys but 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 what is that moment that makes you think that or how how do you facilitate it for some reason what I, the earliest memory i can remember is always doing the opposite of what people told me so for some reason i, I don't know if it was coincidence or if i'm just lucky but for some reason Whatever someone told me, I had to do the opposite. It, it was just natural for me to not believe what I was being told. And I thought, this, this can't be the right thing to do. Everyone, everyone was telling me, get a job. And then they tell me, look at all your friends, or look at all the people in school. They're all already having a job. They're all studying this and that. And I thought, I don't want to do this. It's not, but no one showed me any other option, right? So I, I went on the path of going through university. So I went from having incompetent teachers in school to having incompetent professors in university you look into the you look at the the parking lot in in school you look at the parking lot in university all of the educational staff they all arrive with shit cars what exactly are you going to teach me about life if your own life is not in order and then people argue well they teach you like the technical things of uh, mathematical solutions or they teach you about um, philosophy or geography. Like literally not, none, none of the information you get in school actually has any relevance for real life. And that's why, and you don't know this because I, I haven't mentioned it yet, but that's why on top of the business which I have and on top of everything else which I'm doing, I have launched my own university, which is an online platform where people can join and they can learn exactly what I had to look for and search for on my own. They, they can get direct access to all the information which I needed for my life to become better, for me to stop doing the dumb shit which I was doing, and to get to where I am today. And I, wait, I, I wanted to do this for a long time, but I waited even longer because I knew 
I will only be able to speak with authority once I have the success, once I have everything which I ever dreamt of. And only then I, I can be the guy who can wake someone else up. And the reason why I, why I do all of this shit is because I know if I would have heard myself speak 10 years earlier, I, I could be so far ahead in life. I could have made such a strong impact on society. I lost so much time because I had to find all the information myself. I had to find all my mentors myself. It was, it, it was an aimless path. I, I just got, eventually I just got lucky because, of, because the YouTube algorithm Instead of serving me video gaming and bodybuilding videos, at some point it spit out a video of Gary Vee. And although I think most of the things he says is garbage, at least he has some motivational things to say about entrepreneurship. And then I understood, okay, there's another path. So it was just coincidence that I actually found something which, which was another path to what the education system told me, right? Yeah, and so then from that, who were the people that you gravitated towards you say Gary Vee but were like Pena or anyone like this was people mm. that went you went for yes yeah, so, well now you can't see it but I have a tattoo of Dan Pena on my right arm because he really was one of the most impactful people in my life and he's not everyone's well I would say he's the, the only the cup of tea of a few people because he's a very special guy extremely hard guy but he gave me the kick in the ass which I needed at that time because I was, I was playing video games and I, I was just letting my life go. I, I felt out of control of everything. So I thought, okay, you know, you might as well just be a loser because that's the, the, the most viable option if, if you're losing all the time. Well, you probably have to be a loser, right? And from him, I got the wake-up call, more or less. He, he, he really gave me the motivation and said, where you are today, that's... To, to an extent, it's the fault of your parents, it's the fault of your upbringing. You're not really responsible for being aimlessly misguided and ending up in a uh, bad spot in life. But once you come to the realization, now it's 100% your responsibility and accountability to make it better, to make it change. And of course, getting started is the most difficult thing ever because now you have really shitty habits. You don't know what to do, what to learn, where, where to even start. So getting started is the most difficult part, and that's where I come into play. Uh, you've seen my car. I have a custom-made Lamborghini Huracan, and the reason why I have to discuss, not to show off, the reason why I have to discuss is because it attracts attention, and anyone who sees... So whenever I was, uh, when I was a, a little kid and I was walking around, and in my small city it was extremely rare to see a nice car, but whenever I saw a nice car, it was a really big deal. And I thought about this for days. I thought, oh my God, uh, this was a Ferrari. What does the guy do? How did he get this? It had such a big impact on myself. And I thought, you know, why can't I just talk to the person and, and learn how the, how the fuck he got the Ferrari? And now if people see my car, the website is on the car. They can just type in joinvvv.com and immediately they have access to the whole community. And it's not just that I'm here selling some fucking stupid courses or anything like that. It, it's a paid program, but a lot of the material is for free. And the material which is for free, the things where we talk about the, the, the most immediate short-term solutions which you can adopt for your own life, that's the things where you understand, okay, this shit actually works. And the only reason why eventually I make you pay is because without the pain that's attached to the information, you will not take it seriously. So there's a reason why things have a price. Because if something is valuable, it's gonna be reflected in a certain price. If something is free, then what, what, what's, what is the actual worth of the thing? That's yeah, yeah, why yeah. 
you sorry yeah. you find this a lot with um a lot of, like YouTube's a great example. YouTube's free. There's mm. loads of amazing information on YouTube and you can watch YouTube for hours, but then you don't do shit. Mm. But then if you buy a course that costs you 10 grand, the same information is in the course, exactly identical information that you can get for free on YouTube, but you paid the money for it, you actually mm. then think, shit, I paid the money. I, I, I got to do something about it. So they had, like you say, pain. The pain of paying, if, you're, if you, you don't have fi finance, it's a pain, it's a cost. Mm. And then you think, okay, I've made this, this I've created this cost, I need to get a result. Whereas if there's no cost, it's just your time sitting there eating Cheetos or something, then yeah. it's, yeah, you, just, you just ignore the information and it goes out your brain. You, you know, podcasts, YouTube, there's so much information out there. So um, I completely understand that. I mean, I've not been on, on the website. I'll definitely check it out Check it out after this. I didn't even know about, uh, about this well, company. I can give you an, a funny story of the website. Mm. Because my main recommendation for anyone to get started with breaking out of the system, if you want to call it that, if you want to break out of your nine to five job is start being a freelancer. It's the best possible way to learn how to get clients, how to do copywriting, how to learn how to sell yourself, how to sell a service, how to, well, how to do business. It's the easiest, best way because you don't have any overhead, you don't need investments or any bullshit. You can just go ahead and sell your services. And every single one of you has enough time to sell their services the only argument which you can have is, I don't, know, I don't have anything to offer, I don't have any skills, which is not a problem at all, because you don't need any skills. The only thing which you need is to be a quick learner. As long as you know for sure, whatever I need to do, I can learn, then just look what people are looking for. And then someone looks for a new website, for example, then you can say, okay, type into YouTube how to build a website. Build one for yourself, great, now you have a website to sell your services, now you know how it works, sell a website to someone. It's very easy. And then people tell me, well, the freelancing platforms like Upwork and Fiverr, they are saturated, it's so difficult to find a job. I've been on both platforms. I've been looking for a website developer. I've reached out to agencies. I've got um, different prices from like 130K to uh, 5K. And the bottom line is, at the end of the day, I had to say it, okay, fuck all of you guys, I'm just gonna do it myself. So if you go on the website now, you see the fucking website, which I had to do myself because all the people we hired and spoke to, they've been too fucking incompetent to make the fucking website. And that's true in all areas of life. No matter who you hire for any job, if it's a lawyer, if it's a doctor, it, it genuinely does not matter. No one actually knows how to fucking do their fucking job, which means whatever you want to do, you're not gonna be good at that job because you have been doing it for 10 years or 20 years, you're gonna be good at it because you're gonna take it seriously and because it's in you as a man to commit to doing something properly and not to half-ass something to get a quick return and to not care about your reputation. So the reason why I became successful as a freelancer is because initially I was working for free, then I was working for $5 for one project. Then I was working for like $2 per hour, some ridiculously uh, low amounts. But I always did the best job possible. So even if some asshole, and sometimes I really had assholes as clients, if they paid me $5 and then they were even complaining about the work which I did, okay, doesn't matter. Then I'm gonna deliver 10x more than what they asked for. So it doesn't happen again that anyone could ever complain about anything. And that, that was my attitude. No matter which job I accepted and I did, I did anything from doing translations to websites to SEO to eventually having my own e-commerce agency where I was selling products for my clients on Amazon. And in all instances, I always did the best possible. And even 
if no one was looking, even if they wouldn't even know, when I was, I was some, for some clients, I was managing millions of dollars in ad revenue, uh, excuse me, in ad spent, which then uh, obviously generated ad revenue. And even though they would not know the fucking difference if it was 10% less optimized, it doesn't matter. I did always the best job possible. And even sometimes, some people, I saved them hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then they were negotiating um, with me about raising my, my retainer by $500 or some ridiculously small amount in, in comparison. Doesn't matter. You know, you always have to take it with a smile. And some of the clients eventually I let go because they didn't pay me as, uh, uh, enough. And then they came back to me and begged for me to take them back because they realized, okay, shit, if I hire an agency, they charge me more, they do less of a job, I actually lose my revenue. Some of those guys actually lost their fucking business because someone else was incompetent to run the business for them. And some of the clients I took on, they only become successful. And I know this 100% sure because some came to me and choose a different platform to sell on. And I brought them on Amazon because I, I realized what they were doing with Shopify was a really bad idea. And I brought them on Amazon. I made them millions of dollars. And now they have a, a, a still a thriving business. But I know for sure no one would have had the balls to tell them you're wrong and do something completely different and take all the risk and all the um, responsibility on it themselves. So at the end of the day, it comes back down to your integrity. If you know for sure, even if no one is looking, you're going to do the right thing, you're going to be 100% transparent with everything, then nothing is a problem. You can do anything. Well, I, think, I think if you bring it back to the original point that you made, that I find, this is what I find astonishing, and I'm, I'm sure you do as well. But just, so let's take freelancing. It's a perfect example. Let's say you work a nine-to-five. And if you step back from your life and you look at your life and maybe your nine to five is okay and you make $80,000 a year or $100,000 a year or whatever, and you're, you're, you're happy with that, but you have to go to work every single day and you have a boss and you have these other people above you and you want something different, to go to, to become a freelancer and to start a different path is so simple, especially now with the internet. It's, it's like, it, I, I think... People don't look at the end goal. I, what I like to think is I like to reverse engineer my life. So I like to look at where I want to be when I'm 80, where I'm 100. So for me to have a lifestyle or a life that I want and I feel that I, I deserve, it's impossible to gain with a nine-to-five job. It's impossible. So that view of life, of working nine-to-five for the rest of your life or for the rest of your professional life, for me, it, it's like I can't do that. It's just, it doesn't work because I'm never going to get where I want to get. But if I start as a freelancer and I, my own boss and I work for $2 an hour to start with and I improve that, at least I'm, I'm growing this side of my life where I can be my own boss. This is how I've always felt. And uh, I'll give you my story. I'm sure you know a little bit. I, this is what I did when I was working in marketing um, in London and I quit my job and I moved into the gym and I slept on the floor and made no money and learn how to fight and train because it was my passion or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I did that because I wanted to be my own boss. And I started fighting and competing and then I got to the UFC. And once, once I got to the UFC, I realized I wasn't even my own boss because Dana White was my boss. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was telling me what I had to do and when I had to fight. And, and I was like, this isn't what I wanted. I didn't want this, this, this thing. And I had a bit of a, you know, a, I don't want to call it a breakdown, but I, I, I wasn't sure exactly which direction to go in, and I, I ended up not fighting so much anymore. But now, if you're a guy sitting at home and you work a nine to five, the only like the only option you have 
is to start freelancing. Like it's the, it's the only, I can't see any other option. Mm. If you want to change your life and you want to do something different and you want to be your own boss, you're not going to, like you said, get a loan and start a restaurant. I get like, oh, what? no, it's not going to happen. So I just don't see why me and you think like this and other people don't. You know what I mean? Because the indoctrination by the education system is so strong. It's, there's a saying, it's easier to convince a person of a lie than to convince, they, convince them that they've been told a lie. And that's pretty much in the, the society which we live in. And even, that's even one of the reasons why, you know, so first of all, I'm wearing the sunglasses because I, I don't like the artificial light. Uh, it's not something which I enjoy looking at. <laughs> um, but the reason why, I have, uh, why I'm dressed like this and the reason why I'm wearing the sunglasses, the reason why we have the cigars is it needs to be something which repels the wrong people because what we talk about is only suitable for a small percentage of the, uh, of the population. So if someone sees this video and they look at me and they, they watch for five seconds and they think, oh my God, this guy is too arrogant or this guy comes from a rich family <coughs> or whatever, that's completely fine because you, you want to disqualify those people as quickly as possible. The community which I have is not an amazing community because we let everyone in. It's an amazing community because it's self-policed where if someone is doing the wrong thing, everyone will point it out and the guy is going to be feel, feeling uh, bad and he's going to leave. And that's the way things have to work. You have to have positive peer pressure in place where people point out if someone's behaving like an idiot and then it's on the person to either realize, okay, I've been wrong, I have to behave better, or they are being delusional and they think the way they think is the better way to do, to do things or the better way to behave. It's maybe it's better for them to be corrupted. Who knows? But then they have to go on their own path. And one of the easiest ways to get rid of those people before they even join the community is to only speak to people who get, can get past the first impression which they have. And I think the first impression, which objectively speaking you would have of me, is I'm well-dressed I'm, and I'm, I'm German, so I'm not a native <laughs> English speaker, so my English is not perfect, but I'm fairly well-spoken and my arguments are pretty reasonable. I'm not saying things which are completely out of the, well, they are out of the ordinary, but I'm never saying things which are illogical. So it's, if you can get past the emotions, it's a quite easy logic to follow and quite, uh, yeah, the steps are not that difficult if you can let go of your emotions. So you mentioned uh, a community. What is mm. the community? Well, first, we're going to light our cigars. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I brought you those amazing cigars and we, we didn't even get to, to light them. Okay. What letter, what letter do you see on the cigars? What letter? What letter do I see? I see an A. And so the other way around. A V. Ah, <laughs> there you go, there you go, there you go. So, and you see on my jacket, we have the V as well. Mm. And my community is called VVV, which stands for Veni Vidi Vici. Mm. And my car has a huge V on top of the hood. And pretty much everything, even the lighter, has the triple V uh, engraved, which was a gift from my community, actually, for which I have to be, I'm still very grateful. Um, so this community is... Um, yeah, it started out as an investment community where I launched the very first venture capital company which works without fees. So retail investors can participate in the big deals, 
but they don't have any, they don't have to pay any fees, which is something which is unheard of. And until today, no one else did this. So this is something which was it was deemed impossible by everyone because if you don't have the fees, then how do you make money and so on? And I can cover this topic later if that's uh, of interest to your audience. But it was something which I created because I knew that the fee in that business is going to corrupt the entity as a whole eventually. Because if you make money from arranging investments, then you don't care about the quality of the investments because the more investments you arrange, the more money you make. Which means the more volume you do, the better, and not the better the quality of deal, the better. Which means it's at the detriment of the people who actually use the platform. So the, the fee didn't make any sense. And that was the whole motivation to, to start this business. And because I could only start this business with the people who realized the value in the structure being incorruptible, it attracted people who were drawn into the concept of having something that's incorruptible. And that's pretty much where my, my, my leader style initially originated for. It's because I was so driven to do the right thing where I had no other option to also become incorruptible, right? You, you can't have a business where there's no monetary incentive for you to run it and then be um, doing side deals here and there, and then the whole thing falls apart, right? So my, my, it all comes down, at the end of the day, it all comes down, whether it's personal relationships, whether it's business, whether it's uh, leading a community or caring for your shareholders, it all comes down to your integrity. And you can really only succeed in anything you, you do in life if you have the utmost integrity. And to give you an example, what I did in, in that community is, um, so the, the, the fundamentals that we are an investment community, right? So whenever there's a big investment opportunity where we have the, the upside of in the future making a very high return, sometimes there are time constraints where you have to act fast to do a deal. And sometimes there's also constraints about what you can talk about publicly. So some of the things are confidential and under NDA. And when you deal, especially when you deal with retail investors, they are not always welcomed in the big deals. So sometimes you have to secure a deal first and you can't even tell the retail investors that you have the deal, but you already need the money for, to secure the deal for them, right? So there was one instance where I had to come to the community, but I only came to, to a small, small circle of the community, and I told them, I need 500K today, and I can't tell you why or for what, and I'm gonna pay you back in two weeks. And you have to send it to my crypto wallet <laughs> without any securities. <laughs> and it took us, I think, six hours or so. And I had the 500K in my wallet. I did what I had to do to secure the deal, to sign all the papers, to get everything done. And then afterwards, I was able to let the whole community participate, to reward the guys who gave me the money and so on. And these are the crazy things which we can do because they know for sure I don't give a fucking shit about the money. I will never ever take one dime from anyone. I will always do exactly what the business needs and exactly what's gonna be best for the shareholders, for the stakeholders. We have an NFT collection. I only do the things which are good for them. And they can rely on that and that makes the whole business function. I'll, I'll, I'll try and fill some air so you can light your cigar. Yes, please. <laughs> for me, the, uh, what I take away from this so far, again, because I'm doing this completely uh, selfishly to try and learn myself, um, is ownership like that's that's what i've taken away so far everything you're saying you're also talking about being you know upfront and being an honest person but for me i think it's the more successful people that i meet the more successful people that i interact with all of it comes down to taking full ownership over who you are and what you do and not blaming other people 
that's what I, I find a lot with people, again, my friends from school or people that I, I've known that have not become successful. Those people, they like to blame society. They like to blame this. They like to blame, well, I met this horrible girl and they used to blame the girl. And they always want to have exterior problems and they don't want to look into interiorly like internally into their own mind and i think the difference between a successful person and an unsuccessful person is definitely that i think it's everyone i know who is successful they blame everything 100 on themselves they take 100 ownership over everything and everything that you've said so far when you come to relationships when you come to money management when you come to your business when you come to you know, like you said, the jacket you've got, the cigars, the, the lighter, the every, everything has your branding on it, your name on it, because that's you having ownership over every you know, part of your life. Everyone is self-made, but only the rich like to admit it. One of my favorite quotes, because it's so true. Everyone, what you just said, everyone in my family, I don't talk to anyone anymore. The only person I talk to is my mother and my father, very, very rarely. And... The reason why I don't talk to them is because they just pollute my, thought, my, my, my thoughts by pushing away all responsibility for everything in life. They, they, they try to, to, to paint the bad guy, either it's the government or it's the taxes. Or it, it, it's just nonsense. <coughs> everything in life happens to me. Excuse me. <laughs> so the, let me get the quote, the quote right. So the things which happen in life, they don't happen to me. They happen for me. So even if it's something bad, I still will figure out a way to see something good in it, to be more motivated, and to, to draw power from it. So everything that happens in life, it's always going to make me more powerful because my frame is so strong where I truly, genuinely believe even if something bad happens, probably I needed that. I needed that to change my thinking, to become more aware of something, and to pivot, and to improve, and to grow as a person. There's a Chinese proverb... I'm going to try and get it right, but I'm probably going to mess it up. Um, there's a Chinese proverb that, that touches on this that I love and I, I really, really resonated with me. And it's called, maybe you've, you've heard it, but it's like the farmer and his child or the farmer and his son. I can't remember exactly what it's called. And the story basically goes that there's a Chinese farmer and his son. And one day the fence breaks and the horses that they, they farm, they go loose. And the village comes to them and say, oh, how terrible. You have lost your horses. And the farmer says, we'll see. And then the next day the horses come back, but they bring back twice as many horses. And the village come to them and say, amazing, you, you, you've got twice as many horses. And he says, we'll see. And then the next day the son is trying to break the back in of one of the horses and he falls off and breaks his arm. And the village come and they say, how terrible, your son broke his arm, He's like, we'll see. And then the next day the military come and they try and recruit able-bodied men to go to war. And the son doesn't get picked because he's got a broken arm. Oh, amazing, your son didn't have to go to war because he broke his arm. We'll see. And like, like the, the proverb for me is, you never truly understand if, this is what I'm coming to terms with in my life, you never truly understand if something that happens to you is negative or positive until way down the line. People think in that instant, they have emotion over the, the thing that happens. Your girlfriend breaks up with you. And you think, oh, it's the worst thing ever. Or you lose your job. It's the worst thing ever. Or your flight gets delayed, which happened to me coming back from Ibiza. So I had a six-hour six delay. But in that six-hour delay, I had the best conversation with my wife. Like the best, because we, we're engaged and we're talking to each other. So actually, my flight getting delayed was a positive thing, not a negative thing. But you put positive or negative, you attach positive or negative emotions 
to events, which mean nothing. You have just been programmed or you've just been taught that they are positive or negative things by the outside inwards. That, so again, going back to what I've learned from successful people and talking about the Chinese proverb, the successful people, they frame every situation or every event that happens to them in positive light. No matter if it's negative or it doesn't matter. The reality doesn't matter. They make it a positive thing. And I think there's a study that's happened um, to do with stress. Maybe you know about this as well. The, a stressed person, a person that likes stress and says, I need stress because pressure creates diamonds. The more stress I'm under, the more pressure I'm under, the better I'm going to perform. Mm -hmm. Those people are successful. And the people that go, oh, no, I'm stressed. I can't handle it. I don't know what to do. And if they took um, the blood levels of these people and the cortisol in the blood of the people that say, I love stress, they were low. The cortisol in the blood of the people that are worried by stress was high. So your mind and the mentality that you have on situations actually affects your chemistry, which obviously you know. Yeah, it's very true because to me, the most horrible thing for me would be to be at the beach and do nothing. And this only works if, you whole, if, you whole, if the whole paradigm of how you view life completely changes. I love having stress because that means that I can be productive. That means that I'm accomplishing things. That means that my, my problems are increasing. My problems are getting bigger. And I, I'm actually making progress and I'm growing as a person. If I were just to sit at the beach and do nothing, then I will fall apart as a person. I will be less productive. I will be less, less driven. And if you look at the studies, most people, they die within a few years after they retired. Because, not because they're old, it's because they lose their purpose. And you see the people who just keep going, who don't retire or after retirement, they still, still stay active in, in uh, positions on a board of a company, for example. They, they still have some value which they provide to society and to the people around them. They don't just go off and die. They don't get Alzheimer's and, and, and have uh, various diseases, uh, mental issues, and so on. It, it's just about you as a human staying relevant. And why on earth would you want to retire? That just means that you try to escape from something which doesn't fulfill you. But the life you're living, it should always fulfill you. And it's up, up to every single person who is watching this. It's up to you to create the life that fulfills you. It's not a life which is getting dictated by anyone. It's, it's completely in your power to change your life, no matter how bad it is right now, no matter, even if you have a family, if you have kids to take care of, if you have other responsibilities. I've seen enough people in my community who, ha who had all the excuses all the excuses you could think, think of to not do it, to be hesitant, to not take the risk. But those guys who did it, they all became super successful in their own regard, in, in the areas which are most fulfilling to them. Because not everyone aspires for insane financial success, not everyone wants to have their own business, but you can still have, in the areas which are important to you, you can still have 10 times, 100 times the success which you have right now, and you can just, in general, live a much better, much more fulfilled life. And the relationship with your children, if you're, with your wife, is also going to improve. And maybe to answer the initial question about what's harder, managing uh, the, the money of investors or man managing having multiple wives. The truth is that it's both easy if your values are clear. Because then you will always do the right decisions, if it's your shareholders, stakeholders, if it's uh, your investors, if it's the board of directors, it's gonna be the same in your family life too. As long as you have the integrity, none of this is actually difficult. Now, of course, you can argue the technicalities of those, um, of those tasks 
that's quite challenging. That's something which takes a long time to get into where you know how to do things and how to treat the other person, what to pay attention to. But all of these things are more or less the same because it's all based on your integrity, your abilities to communicate, your ability to lead and inspire other people. Because if you can't inspire people, you're not going to find two wives who are going to be fine to, to share you with each other. Or even to just be attached to you, but for you to stay free. That's almost impossible unless they understand there's something greater which they, which they add, add on to. And to them, they look at me as Superman. And all of you guys watching this, all of you can be Superman. All of you can be Superman to your children, to, to your wife. And you can pursue whatever relationship model is the most attractive to you. But it all, even, even though someone might accept you as who you are today, that's a disservice which they do to you because you can, you can be more than who you are today. So they should also demand for you to get better, demand for you to become a better man. And they should want you to become Superman because ob obviously not every man is, no man is born with any value unless you're the, like some royalty. But no man has any intrinsic value to them. So we all have to create our version of the Superman which we want to become. And if a woman sees that maybe in the future you can become Superman, then of course you should aspire to become that person and not just become complacent, uh, not just become complacent because now that woman is with you. You have to be the one who is pushing the whole family unit or the, the, the relationship to become more fulfilling for her and for you. But you think, why do you think most people become complacent? Where does that come from? Not just in relationships or in business, in personal health, in diet. Where is the complacency from? So people want to exert the least amount of energy possible. And complacency obviously takes the least amount of energy, right? So you can't just be content with who you are what you have achieved at any level. Because it's gonna make you more comfortable because you can say, okay, let's say you, you earn an 80K, to use your example. You can say, okay, I'm the man, I, I've, I did it. I'm in the top 20% uh, of income or whatever. And I can just re lay back and relax, work my 40 hour week until I retire and I made it. Um, so it all comes down to how much energy are you willing to put out in the universe. And the interesting thing is the more energy you put out, the more energy you get back. But it's not a one-to-one -one -one relationship, it's exponential. So you put out 100 units, you get back 1,000, 10,000. So you just, and of course, initially, there's like a threshold. Like the first 100 units you put out, you get nothing back. Then you put out 150, you get a little bit more back. Then you put out 200, then it's like a fractionally more. But then once you put out 1,000, that's where the exponential returns come from. And it just comes back down to how bad do you want it? Are you just gonna give up? Because most people, they try something for the first time and then they, have, they make some progress. If you go for the gym for the first time, for example, you have the, the newbie gains. And then it's exciting because you, you make progress, but then it's gonna st stagnate. At some point, you're gonna hit the plateau and then you're gonna think, oh man, what am I gonna do this even for? And it's not re as rewarding as I thought. And, and that's where most people give up. That's why most people just look average because they put in the average amount of work. That's where most people have an average relationship because they put in an average amount of work. 
If you want to have anything that's exceptional, if you want to have a, an exceptional physique, if you want to have an exceptional relationship, you must be willing to put in an extraordinary amount of energy and work. But then you think, what are the mechanisms that you use? Like what, what mechanism allows you to put in that extra, that extraordinary amount of energy? Where does that come from? What is the, the, why are you able to do that? And like you said, the people that you're speaking to are not able to do that. The guy who makes 80K, who's then happy with that? What's the mechanism? What's the, the thing? It's good habits and discipline. Uh, and I understand getting started, if you're, if you're very far away from where I am today, you have to start for, and I have another tattoo which says winning streaks, uh, winning streak. And it comes from the principle of when I was a loser, when I really had nothing going on in my life, I had to start somewhere, right? So then you start with, with stupid stuff. <coughs> you, you say, okay, Today, I went to the gym, so that's a win. The next day, you, you went to the gym as well. Now it's two days in a row, so now you're on a winning streak. So now life really starts to go well, right? And then you don't want the winning streak to end. So you have to continue to create those small wins in your life. And initially, you have to be uh, delusional. You have to, if, you, if you say, okay, today I had a good coffee, if that's the win for the day, use anything. It, imagine you're the crab in the bucket. You have to use anything to climb up, no matter the little bit of hope which you can create for yourself, even if it's delusional, at least you have some hope, even if it's false hope initially. I can promise you, if you try hard enough and long enough, there's going to be something extremely rewarding at the very end, once you finally get out of the bucket. And I think the, the bucket is an extremely fitting metaphor because it's just so true. Like, the, the, the whole... Once you climb out of the, the average life of society, you realize how many possibilities are still waiting for you. So it's like, you, you said this to me, the, more, the better you got at fighting, the more you understood that you don't know anything about fighting. And it's the same thing about becoming successful. The more successful you become, the more you realize there's so many layers, which is exciting. It's not something which, is, which I'm sad about because you achieve a certain degree of success and then you understand, oh, there's more and there's more and there's even more which I can do. So, the, the, and it's very important also for you guys to write down your goals and to really be specific about the things which you want to achieve in life. And it's also very interesting to write down, write down the things which you have today and then write down the things which you want to achieve or the things which maybe you wanted to achieve as a child and see how far apart this is. And there's still, there's still time, no matter how old you are, there's still time to fix all of this. But you have to get started, and the best way to get started is today. Don't ponder, don't waste time. Get started today. And I'm not saying sign up for this course here or some <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> but just get started and expose yourself to the right content, follow the right people, study the right people. And you can either do all of this on your own, you can do it for free, you can pay someone to mentor you, it doesn't have to be me. If you find someone else who you resonate with better, then good, then use that person. doesn't matter who you, who you choose, but there's still time for everyone to turn their lives around. I think that's a really uh, interesting thing or important thing, rather, um, mentorship. So, I, again, my whole frame on life comes from martial arts. So every martial art on the planet, every gym in the world, they always have a, a sensei or a master mm. or a top of the food chain or a coach or whatever it is. So when you walk into a gym, you resonate with that person, you talk to that person, mm. he teaches you lessons about fighting, lessons about life. I was extremely fortunate that the first gym that I went to I had an exceptional coach and I learned a lot from him.
but people don't, so again, I apply that across all of my life and I try and search for, for individuals that I can learn from, from any, any, if I want to go into copywriting, I want to hang out with the best copywriter in the world. I want to ask him questions. If I want to go into, I mean, venture capitalism, eventually, maybe I'll speak to you about it, but I'll find people that have done the thing that I want to do like a coach and they will, they will speak to me about it. But I feel like that is missed in society. Like, uh, mm. I think that's something we used to have in, you know, back in the days when we, we were tribes, you would look up to the wise man or you would look up to the people that had, the, the elders, you know, but now you can't tr trust people because of their age, whereas you used to be able to because they, they'd learned lessons. But I feel like people now, they're almost, and maybe because it's the scammers out there and the people selling bullshit, but a lot of people are afraid to, to find a mentor. Or they don't understand the importance of having one. It comes down to, again, men becoming weak. Because in the past, men at an old age felt responsible for guiding the youth. And right now, no one of the old guys feel responsible in any way to actually guide someone actively. They let some younger guys be in charge, and then those younger guys deliberately misguide all the other young guys to make it easier for them. And it's, it's really, men have just become complacent of letting go of all the responsibilities which, responsibilities which they have. There's very, very few men who are actually good fathers. And if you're not a good father, how can you be a good mentor? All the guys I look up to, all the guys I know, which I look at as my mentors, and a mentor doesn't have to be someone who you know personally. You can even study someone who is dead if they have put out enough educational material. They can still mentor you you don't need to, they can give you the information in other ways. If they've, if they've uh, written a book, you can still get the information in the mentoring. And it's important to realize that most of the guys who are exceptional mentors, they're also exceptional father figures. And those guys, 99% of the time, they speak extremely highly of their fathers. So it's something which, which, which um, goes through generations. A great man makes a great son, a great son makes another great son, and so on. So it's, it's a whole, um, it's, it's a very positive circle. On the other hand, weak men create weak, weak men, and it will never get better, right? So someone has to break out of the cycle. So it, if, you, if you're like me, and you didn't have that father figure, you didn't have someone to look up to, you didn't have someone to, to guide you, now is your chance. Now is your chance to break the vicious circle. Now is your chance to say, okay, I'm gonna be different. I don't want my son to wear the jersey of Ronaldo or some fucking bullshit. I want, I want him to look up to me. But in order for your son to be able to do that, you have to become a better man. And what better motivation could there be than either your existing children, your future children, your current wife, your future wife. You can take everything as motivation. Yeah, I think that is really funny. I laughed, I think, I don't know if the mic, but that's something I've never understood. I have never understood a kid going to a football game with their dad and their dad putting the jersey of another man on their son. Like, I just don't understand it. You're like celebrating the last name of another, of another family. And I don't know if it's just me, but I don't understand fandom in general. Being a fan of something that has no impact on your life. You know, like if you, you can look up to people and you can learn from people if they improve your life. And I think people that improve your life, you should respect. And I, and I completely understand that. And I, and I have people in my life that have helped me massively like that. But to be a fan, it's almost like the father who then takes the son to the football game has almost given up on his own mission. 
mm. and is what and I think that's what and it's pushed on us in society to be like this and that means that that man works for another man and, and makes that other man great and he gets his son to support another football team that, and, and I, I think we've lost the feeling of of how important it is to look after our own to look after ourselves, to, to look after our own mm. name and to push it forward it's easier to root for winners than to become a winner yourself. That's where it, where it all comes from. And then most fathers, they know they wasted all their potential. So now they live vicariously through someone else. And then they look up to some football star. And then, of course, the son sees the father look up to someone. And then they look up to that person. And it's, it's not the son looking up to the father. And... You can still, if you look at Lionel Messi, for example, he has a really interesting life. I, I studied many different successful uh, people, um, uh, you know, people who have been at the pinnacle of performance in whatever they choose as their passion. Uh, you could also use Michael Jordan. But Lionel Messi had a gene genetic defect when he was growing up. He, he's quite short still, but as a child he was super short. And in order for him to surpass the genetical effect which he had, his parents had to buy him growth hormone. And growth hormone is insanely expensive. So for them it was extremely difficult to afford the growth hormone for him to be able to keep playing soccer because it was just too small. So he was in a, he had all odds were against him. He was in a really poor country in Argentina and getting growth hormone there, it's, I don't know exactly how much it is, but it's a couple thousand uh, bucks in a month, which is insane, uh, you know, especially back then, which is an insane amount of money for a poor family there. And eventually I think he got sponsorship by a football club or helped by the government or something. But all of the odds were against this guy. He had genetic defects and so on, but that's what makes him great. Because all the odds were against him, so he had to work a million times harder than everyone else. And even if you look at someone who's as talented as Ronaldo, the guy is so incredibly disciplined. Everything, his sleep, his eating schedule, everything is dialed in. And he's a much, much more humble guy than he looks like on the soccer field. He might seem arrogant, but trust me, you can't get to that level of performance continuously by being arrogant. And it's the same with Michael Jordan, for example. Michael Jordan was not the greatest basketball player of all times because he was super talented. He was at each training session two hours before everyone else. So when the other guys came for training, he already trained for two hours. He just outworked everyone. And he was a mean motherfucker. And that's why I like studying those people because you understand you can't be the nice guy. You can't be the soft guy. You have to be the rock no pun intended, but <laughs> you, you have to be someone who is, who is strong, who is driven, who is disciplined. You can't get soft in any way. Uh, I think, I mean, I love the story of Michael Jordan. I played basketball when I was a kid. Um, and like you said, two hours before every session, what I like about Jordan is like you said, people hated playing with him. They hate the, the other people hated him because he was such a, on the field and, and on the field, the court, and in practice, he was just so hard on people. I can't imagine, I don't know if his family, sons, all that sort of stuff. But him as a father, I can only imagine how hard he would be because he expects the best. But he only doesn't accept the, expect the best. He's also doing the best and he's there two hours early and you can never outwork him. I think in off season, he was, he'd trained twice as hard than he trained mm -hmm. on season, all these, these crazy things. And that's what made him who, who he became. So I think that he's got a great um, story on Netflix. I think he has a, has a- The Last Dance. Yes, The Last Dance. So that, that, that I loved watching that as well and mm -hmm. then seeing his whole, ethos on life and I think 
you know, again, I look up to Michael Jordan. I never wear a Michael Jordan jersey because he, he doesn't carry my name. So what's the point? But I think a lot of I think I'm different because I've been an athlete and because I've competed for my name and for my family and for what my country, what I believe in competing in the UFC. Um, I, I think what you said was super, super interesting about the reason that fathers get their sons to look up to other men is because they know they didn't reach their own potential. And, I, and this, I'm not making this a religious point, but I think that's what's missing maybe when it comes to God and when it comes to the Bible, the Quran or whatever, because your son will never look, if you look up to God or if you look up to a higher power, it doesn't have to be God, and you teach your son about looking up to a higher power, it's different from looking up to another man. You know, you're talking about something bigger than you and, and it could be community. You could be talking about looking up to community, looking up to God or looking up to a, to a higher power. Your son can respect that and also continue to respect his father. Well, I said to you, I, I haven't made up my mind about religion yet, right? So the, mm -hmm. the, the thoughts I'm giving you are more sharing my thought process than an actual opinion. So my thoughts are that religion is used primarily by most people as a coping mechanism to feel better about the life they are living at the moment. It doesn't really give them incentives to do better. It doesn't, it's not something which truly motivates them, inspires them, pushes them to do better. It's something which can be used as a baseline for the morals and values in a society. I think in that way it can, can be extremely helpful. I think it's better to have religious values as the baseline than no values at all. I think it's also better than having the values being founded on capitalism, for example, or any other um, concept which you, which you might want to see in a society, depending on your preferences. I think it's, it's for the choice of values, I think religion is probably pretty good, but I think for actually driving society to its peak performance and to really create the best versions of each individual in the society, I think religion is also not the right tool because it tends to make people content and it doesn't truly inspire and drive people. And also, in the, the, the discussions about no matter which religious book you take, the discussions about, oh, what did he mean with this and that, the interpretations, like, to me, it's all, it's all garbage. Like, if someone truly wrote how life should have been lived by everyone past him, or if that was, like, an overpowering creator, he would have the capabilities to be fucking clear with what people should do and sh should not do. And some people argue, well, it's pretty clear, but, but it's not that clear. It's not, it's not black and white, that, because there's so many... I don't want to pick a specific religion, but there's so many people tell me, well... In this religion, you can do this and that. And then there's the other person doing the opposite. And then they tell me, well, you can do it under this, these and those circumstances. That's not really clear. It's more or less like the law, right? You need a lawyer to decide. Or you need a lawyer to make the case. And you need a, a court to decide whether or not you were right or not. So it's, it's not very clear. And I think the baselines, the, the base values, and the, 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 the purpose of men and women can be articulated extremely clearly where there's no no doubt about what people should do in any situation and it doesn't have to be super long doesn't have to be a storybook so about a story about some person living this life and having those values and then dying for them or whatever like you can make it pretty straightforward for for people to get it still i think religion, religion overall 
is probably better than no religion. The only thing, that the caveat to that is that which are the most religious countries? The poorest. Yeah. So, yeah, as I said before, I'm not, not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny thing, but let's, <laughs> let's end on a, a religious fable and, and get your, your take on it just for a bit of fun. Um, let's go, because we've spoken a lot about relationships and uh, relationship dynamics and, you know, however you want to call it, who the leader is, how it works traditionally, et cetera, et cetera. So let's take Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. right? They lived in paradise, apparently, the, the Garden of Eden. And I don't know how well you know the story. Um, and the one who fucked it up was the woman because she was a snake whispered in her ear and told her to eat the apple and she ate the apple. Mm. So do you think that, how, how do you think that story plays out now in society when you look at the female being influenced by an outside influence? So do you, would you then, again, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm mm. just having a little bit of fun, a bit of a joke. Would you then say that Adam was the original weak man that allowed paradise to end. So this statement goes beyond how you should act in a relationship. It's, it's really applicable in business, in life in general. As a man, you need to be clear about the expectations. And I would say, if you can't get <coughs> your wife to follow your lead, how on earth are you going to get employees, students, other people in society to follow your lead. Your leadership has to be all-encompassing, and there can't be anyone, if you truly want to be a great leader, and I'm not saying that you have to be a dictator, because a dictator doesn't have to be a master in communication, because he can just dictate everything he wants, right? I think as a truly exceptional leader, you have to have the best possible understanding of your surroundings on an emotional level and on a spiritual level. And you need to have the competence and the confidence to phrase your expectations as clearly as possible in, in such a concise manner where you don't lose the attention of people. And the overarching purpose which you're pursuing has to be something which people can buy into where they understand on a logical and rational and on an emotional level that this is the best thing possible. That's the, the North Star for the family unit. It's the North Star for the business you're creating. And creating that person who can lead the relationship which they want, where the relationship is not being compromised by someone else's expectations, by someone, you know, by someone else's needs or desires, which maybe have been forced on them by society or by their upbringing, where you can be truly full of integrity in all regards, and then you adopt the same thinking to your conduct in business, to any interaction which you have in your, with your friends, to any interaction you have with other people in society. If everyone always knew that you are truly honest under all circumstances, why wouldn't they want you to be the leader? Because being honest, even though it's the best possible path, you will realize if you just try for one month to be honest in any situation, always tell the truth, you will realize it's quite hard because the first thing that happens if you're being honest, you're going to piss off a lot of people. <laughs> and, and, and no one really wants that, right? So you take the path of least resistance. You're trying to avoid conflict. Again, comes back down to 
exerting less energy. And then, like Napoleon Hill says, man and society, oh, excuse me, man and rivers are crooked because they always take the path of least resistance. And that's the thing which we need to fix, and it can only be fixed if you, as a man, become aware of your responsibilities, if you take full ownership of everything that happens in life, it doesn't matter if it's within your control or not. You still have to take ownership of it, because what's the alternative? You can be a victim. But are you supposed to be a victim, or are you supposed to be someone who goes out there and conquers and leads and really makes a difference in life? And that to, to end this podcast on a more positive note, um, I want to, uh, to tell a, a short story about Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs said he wants to leave a dent in the universe. And I think we can all agree that he succeeded in doing that. He was one of the most exceptional people who ever lived. And I'm arrogant enough to aspire to become someone like him. And it's quite interesting when you study all those individual people and you aspire their, um, how they have been peculiar in certain instances, then you realize that me, for example, striving to have a different type of relationship and potentially striving to inspire other men to rethink the types of relationships they have, the responsibilities which they have, and the honor as a man which they carry. You look at other people, what um, interesting things they did and how they decided to go against the grain, how to break the rules, for example. Then you look at Steve Jobs, for example, and in California they had a law where if you lease a car, because it takes a while to get the number plates done, in the first six months you don't need to have a number plate on the car. So he went into an agreement with the leasing company that every six months he sold the car back to them and got a new one. He got the same car but he got the same car every six months, which means all the time he was just driving around without number plates. And what's the whole, what's the whole point? You could say, well, that's pretty irresponsible. Um, it's um, something which is not right to do. But, well, he was still playing within the confinements of society, but he thought of himself as someone who needs to break the rules. He needs to have his own way. And that's one of the most important things which you need to adopt for your own life. You need to start to have things your own way. You can't just comply with everything. There's many, many ways to break the rules, to go against the grain. And it's not something which is going to be bad, or where, where, where you're actually turning into a liability for, for someone. It's, like you said before, someone who's average, how can they take action? How can they adopt uh, parts of the, the things I've been talking about? Well. Step number one is to think of you as someone who's special. And I know we all want to, to be the ones who, you know, we can drive past the speed limit without consequences. And, and, and we can do our own thing. We can be um, uh, the, the free roaming um, conquerors of whatever we want to do, right? That's the, the inspiration of man is to be free and to have, have things our way. And step number one is to think of you as someone who is special, someone by being special, you're also going to be confined and loaded with special responsibility. You can't be special and then expect to have the same responsibility as an average man. You want to, have, you want to be special, you want to have a special relationship, you want to have a special status in society. Well, you will have to accept all the bad that comes with it, with it as well.
but the bad turns out to be the good because all the bad stuff actually creates the man you want to be. And with great power comes great responsibility, like Correct. you say. I love how I asked you a question about Adam and Eve <laughs> and you circled around and you spoke about Steve Jobs that runs Apple or the founder of Apple. So the, the Apple, you know, it was like, oh. it was in there both in the Adam and Eve story and in the Steve Jobs story. Even so, better than I intended. There you go, exactly. Yeah, I don't know if you exactly. Um, but yeah, brilliant. So um, let's finish there and then let's tell everyone how they can find you. I'll put the links below on YouTube yes. so people can see everything. But just uh, if anyone wants to get hold of you, how can they do so? Yeah, and easiest way to find me is type into your uh, navigation bar in your browser, joinvvv.com. Otherwise, you can find me on YouTube, Mr. Sean VVV, Instagram, Mr. Sean VVV, TikTok, Mr. Sean VVV. Right now, we have roughly 10 million views in total. I'm sure by the time this goes live, it's going to be 50 million, 100 million, maybe even more. And last interesting story. <laughs> the reason why it's Mr. Sean because it doesn't make any sense. It's not even my last name, right? But I've been in, um, in Dubai for, uh, yeah, for the past couple of months. And for some reason, they, in any store I go, they call me Mr. Sean. And the interesting thing is about once you have become not just a man, but once you've become the man and you dress like the man, no matter where you show up, and especially in the Dubai Mall, they have thousands of customers each single day. They forget about you if you buy something there, right? No matter which store I go to, it's always, Mr. Sean, welcome back. And for me, it, it was initially, it was really weird for me to, to you know, for them to look at me as, as someone special, right? Because I'm just walking in there with my suit on, but I, I don't think of myself as someone who's like that special, right? But they all remember me. And the reason why they remem remember me is because I dress... Like I'm someone special and I did it subconsciously, but it's a, it's a nice feeling. And in, in the university which I run, we also teach people how to dress. And you don't have to have a lot of money to dress well. You can go on ASOS.com, for example, and you can dress really, really well for under 100 bucks. And then no matter where you go, people will remember you. And it's important for people to remember you, to remember your name. And if I go to a store, I remember the name of everyone who works, who works there. If I go to a nice restaurant, I always get the best table because I'm the best dressed. I always get reservations even in, you know, on the weekend. I can just message the owner in WhatsApp. But then the reason why I have the number is because they recognized me when I came in. They thought, who is this guy? And this is something which I think everyone should aspire to get, the special treatment, people remembering you, you being someone. What's your purpose, or what's your purpose of being here if you're no one? It, it, it's not fun. It's much better to be someone. And I, I really, even if you're not someone who is and fuck, I'm not an extroverted guy. I, normally, my day-to-day -day life is being at my computer, working 12 hours. That's my life. In the morning, I go to the gym, now with you, uh, and getting my, my boxing lessons in. But I'm very introverted, naturally, because, and the reason why everyone is introverted is because it requires less energy. It requires a lot more energy from me to be outspoken, to be a little bit more loud, and to, to phrase my sentences clearly to have my brain think faster than my German brain normally wants to think. And it's important for you guys to let go of all the excuses which you could come up with. Oh, I'm an introvert. It's not for me. I don't want to show off. 
you're not showing off by you being the best per the best version you can have by you having an expensive car you're inspiring people if i if i drive th through puerto banos there's literally there's people running behind the car being on the sidewalk with the camera they all you know they wave at me the, the children are so so happy to see this car how could i feel bad for having the car i i, I actually i thought about okay probably because of the fucking obnoxious cars the loudest definitely the loudest car in europe right now um and I thought probably people are going to complain because it's so loud, it, it's obnoxious, and it's, uh, it, it, it uh, draws all the attention to it. But in fact, no matter who, who sees the car, everyone's positive. And I can see in their eyes, it's like that inspiration. You know, they also want the car. They're not being envious because they can see, you know, I'm not driving around like an asshole. If someone asks me to ref the car, no matter if it's the hundredth time of the day, I still do it. I still make everyone happy. Yeah. I took some random guys for a drive. Like I just want everyone to enjoy the car and to inspire people. And I think that's what's missing in society. People have become so scared of sticking out, of standing out, of getting a label from someone it, that, that no one inspires anyone anymore. And, and this is what I want to bring back. I want everyone to be... If I see someone in a nice car, I think, I think two things. I think amazing, and then I think... This motherfucker, I want to have a better car than this guy. <laughs> because as a man, you're competitive too, right? Yeah. But that's what's missing. You want to have um, the, the selflessness to wish great things onto others, and then the competitiveness to think, okay, I'm going to do even better than this guy. Well, thank you, Mr. Sean, <laughs> for living outside the bucket and for inspiring others to try and climb out and join you. I think a lot of people will get a lot from this podcast. Thank you for the cigars. and uh, Thank you. Thank you for I'll having me. I'll catch you soon. <laughs>